0: welcome back for another episode of the Post Money Plan podcast. My name is Dallas Post and I am your host. As you know, I believe empowerment comes through knowledge, so my purpose here is to inform, educate, and stimulate thought within personal finance, economics, and investing. You can find me at postmoneyplan.com or search The Post Money Plan in the iTunes podcast app or in Google Play. In this episode, I've brought back Eddie Sajjat. We're going to talk again about basically funding your idea. So let's say you are thinking about entrepreneurship or you have an idea and you're wondering, can I get a business going or can I make some money from it? The big thing is a lot of businesses fail because they have bad cash management. You might have a great idea, but if you have poor money management and principles around the money, that can ruin the entire idea and keep you from ever taking off. So I've got Eddie Sajjat back on the show. We talked previously on personal branding. I just wanted to follow up
1: with him and uh, see what he's got to say on the issue. Hey, thanks for having me back. Always a pleasure. I enjoyed my uh, last podcast with you immensely, and uh, looking forward to this one. It's a great topic that you're bringing up, and you're right. You know money makes the world go round, but in startups that's more true than anything else when starting off your business or your business venture. Going into the world of entrepreneurism, one of the most common mistakes that are made that lead to the downfall of a business actually not achieving its potential has to do with bad money management. It's actually not even a lack of money management. It's normally just not even managing it to begin with, right? right, right? So one of the most common mistakes that happens or business practices that happens in the marketplace right now is that a person will take a lump sum of money and put it in a bank account and then just start writing checks as they need the money. And eventually that money runs dry, or they don't really know where it went. They think that just balancing their checkbook is a way of managing their money.
0: And the big thing is, going from the way you might run your personal finances and spending money from a debit card or a credit card, and as long as there's cash in the bank account when you log online, you just keep spending. You can't do that as a business. If you run that way, You're going to be in financial ruin pretty
1: soon? Not always. Some do get lucky, but as long as you're not counting on luck and if you want to put some science behind it or if you want to have a higher success ratio, that's not a very good business practice. People don't really know about money management versus taxes. They think that whatever you are able to give the IRS as far as receipts and and transaction records qualifies as money management. But they're two entirely different things. Money management inside of a startup or inside of a business is a little bit more complicated than that. And in order to navigate those waters, some subject matter experts have done a great job of either developing spreadsheets or really cool online tools and websites out there that help you kind of identify all elements of money management that you need to take account of in order to successfully plan a business venture.
0: Those are the kind of resources that are just going to help people to navigate these uncharted waters when they're starting out a business, potentially?
1: Correct. One of the ones that I love using during my consultative practice, I help small businesses start off businesses or grow their businesses, as well as provide consulting for tech startups. And when I do that, I always help them or guide them towards a little tool that I like using called bizplan.com which is associated with another company called Startups.co. Both of these are very good tools of helping provide them guidance towards what they need to get together in order to get a good, successful business plan going. Now, strictly talking from a financial side, Bizplan.com has a way of basically identifying your personnel management as far as who all is going to be part of your business, whether it be employees, contractors, subcontractors, or however it is that you're working with uh, would help within your business. It helps you manage your expenses, manage your revenues that are coming in or will be potentially coming in work with the capital that you initially have to start off your business, and then it generates these cool reports. There's a word that we learn here at Station. The word is called runway. And before entering the world of tech startups and stuff, I really didn't know what Runway really meant, or I knew what it meant, but I didn't really understand it to the extent that I do now. But Runway is basically the amount of money you have before you run out, <laughs> right? right? Basically, right. at some point, there's a, is a, is a point in time where you're going to run out of money based on how you're utilizing it right now. How fast you're burning through cash. Uh, yeah, how fast you're burning through cash. And a tool like bizplan.com puts that point and magnifies it and lets you know that, hey, that point when you're going to run out of this money is at this date and time. And if if you don't have good money management skills, or if you don't have a tool or something similar, you're not going to know when that point is. It's just going to
0: happen. Basically, the point you're saying is the more you plan and the more you have data
1: in front of you, the higher your success rate is going to be? 110%. The more likely it is that you will succeed of course, that doesn't solve the problem whether you actually have a good business or not. Or, right, uh, right. But it is an essential business management tool that you need in order to manage your finances if you want to even have a chance at a successful business. Here's the
0: analogy that comes to mind for me. It's kind of like wearing a good suit to an interview. It's not going to really get you the job. Just having good money management skills isn't going to make your business a good business. But it can surely break your business. If you walk into an interview with flip-flops, yeah, you can lose the interview right away, no matter like how good you are or how smart you are. Yeah. In the same way, if you have a great business, but you are just horrible with the cash and not keeping track of what's going on with the money and planning things out, you can ruin it no matter how good it is.
1: Yeah. Although I agree with your analogy, I think it has a little bit more relevance or more, more importance than attire to an interview. Because it's almost like an integral part of a machine or like the carburetor inside of a of a car or it's a battery inside of a car, right? If you don't have one, chances of your car just continuing to run properly is difficult. It has a little bit more more importance. But yeah, it's not necessarily a good idea to wear flip flops and shorts and a t-shirt to an interview. You, you will not do so well. <laughs> okay, so I want to lead you into this. What's the first thing that you
0: should be thinking of? What do I need from a financial perspective to make an idea work?
1: What is the first thing that I should be thinking of? Well, can you solve a problem, right? I would say is that, first off, you need a good idea. And if if your good idea is solving a certain problem, then your business model is standing on pretty sound ground. But from a financial perspective, what I always tell my clients is that If you do a financial analysis and you determine that you don't have enough capital investment in order to actually have a good runway or uh, the ability to be able to take on some challenges that your business might face, then you should not jump into that business to begin with because you're setting yourself up for failure.
0: Yeah, there's two sides to the coin. There's the cart and there's the horse. And you pull the cart before the horse. You have to have an idea and you have to have the money to fund the idea. If you have a great idea, but no money, you can't make it work. And if you have a bunch of money and no good idea, you can't make it work either. So you, you really need both.
1: Yeah, you got it. Actually, that's that's a great
0: way of putting it. Maybe you could share your story too. But the way I, I started off for the post-money plan is thinking about what problem can I solve? Is there something out there? There's a problem that needs fixing. What I saw is people are not taught personal finance in school, but need to know how to handle money. So that seems like a readily addressable market. And I can create and distribute personal finance educational content to teach people how to handle money. So that was my initial thought process around addressing a problem that's out there. And you're doing a good job at it. What about you?
1: Yeah, so like I personally have a bachelor's and a part of a master's degree. And uh, all of the finance classes that I took, none of them really concentrated on personal finance or even small business finance. Which is the irony of it, is
0: like even you take finance classes and you still don't learn.
1: <laughs> yeah, so yeah, they weren't my favorite classes in any capacity because I almost felt like the relevance of that, I had a tendency to tune out when I was learning something that wasn't going to have any relevance in my real practical life. So yeah, personal finance management and small business finance should be a course that's more mandatory than learning about the regular stuff that's taught in finance classes right now in colleges. And
0: I think that's a part of education too. If people see that it's directly relevant to them or is going to benefit them in their personal life going forward, they're interested. They want to know. Versus things that feel completely disconnected or have no relation to them, then you check out and you're not interested.
1: If I'm listening to this particular podcast that we're talking about right now, and if I'm not interested in ever opening up my own business, then the content is not of relevance to me. But if I hear this podcast that you guys put on from the post-money plan or the topics that I've seen you put on, and I'm interested in starting a business or I'm thinking about starting a business or wanting to learn about starting a business, then the content becomes very relevant because we're providing very real-life examples of what you might face when going through the endeavor.
0: That's one of the things that I love about this business model for me in terms of doing blogs and podcasts is that
1: it becomes very
0: much a la carte content. You consume what you want to consume based on what's relevant for you. But anyway, so like moving on from that whole idea of what you need from a financial perspective
1: to make your idea work, what would you say is the next thing? Um, I would say, can you make money solving the problem? The thought process actually just goes into a very simple element. Okay, you have a good idea. A lot of times, a good idea doesn't have a great revenue model attached to it. Or it might have a revenue model attached to it, but the runway needed in order to achieve that revenue model is so large that you don't have the planning or the access to the funds for that. Let me give you an example. Right now, a little company called Netflix. (laughs) People don't really know this, but they are billions of dollars in debt. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, a company like, like WhatsApp. WhatsApp sold for, what, $29 billion? I don't even uh, remember. Yet, they had not made any revenue. They were not profitable. What they did have was they had a little over 500 to 600 million users that actively used it on a daily basis. Now, what had, had to happen was that they needed a runway long enough, their planning had to be so strong that at some point they were going to monetize it. And they did. Well, I I think you're tapping into basically
0: when you start a business, there's two main routes that you can end up taking. It's either become profitable right away, and then you only grow as much as your cash coming in allows you to grow. And you just very defensively and conservatively grow organically. The other route is to invest, 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 and grow, 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 be unprofitable for a long time until all of a sudden the economies of scale flip over, and then you can convert that into mass profitability.
1: Yeah, there's more models than those two, but those two are definitely very significant models that are being uh, applied in the market today. Actually, the point is just about planning. Whether your plan is to become profitable immediately or plan is to become profitable eventually. As long as you have a plan and you plan for it properly in a financial model, you'll be fine because you'll be able to identify what is required in order to get to the point at which you will be successful. If you don't have that planning in play, then you're just kind of, you're playing tennis in the dark without (laughs) any lights. You're hoping you'll hit the ball, but you're not only hoping you'll hit the ball, you're hoping that the ball will actually land inside of the court across and over the net and the other person won't be able to hit it back. It's a difficult proposition, right? So don't drive blind is the concept. If you plan for it, then you'll have a higher, higher level of success or higher, higher probability of
0: success. So this is where in the startup world where we say putting together a business plan or a pitch deck orients you, both you individually and then any potential partners and potential investors to be on the same page of information, to know what the business idea is, how you're going to make money, How you're going to market it, how you're going to grow it, how you're going to finance it, angling all these things to figure out,
1: basically, can you make money from solving the problem that you're addressing? That's one of the reasons why when I consult with startups, I go through a program like BizPlan is that almost 75 to 80 percent of the clients that I come across are looking to get their project funded by an outside source. They have some capital of their own, but they have already identified that they need to go raise capital in order to actually take their product to market or actually make their dream come into a realization. And the VCs or the investors have gotten smarter over time to where now they require you to present your business idea in a certain format. It can't just be on a napkin anymore. They expect for you to have financial projections, a business plan, a business model, a thought process, a five-year plan. I mean, they require all this stuff. So using a tool like bizplan.com, it's actually a vetted platform by venture capitalists and angel investors to where if you present your idea in the format of a bizplan.com profile, uh, an investor will look at you a little bit more seriously, your project is more likely to get funded, you're able to move forward further faster. You know, then it's, do you need this if you're not trying to get your project funded? Yeah, because at some point you might run out of capital. That runway might dry up. Even though you don't need investment now, you might need it eventually. Money is like fuel to a business. Well,
0: if you have a good business going. Yeah. (laughs) If you have a bad business, then no money is going to be good (laughs) When you're just starting a business, you are a lot less experienced than the people who have been doing it a long time and have a bunch of professionals on board. And everyone's going to give you a really hard time about raising the money and getting and and giving you money. So banks are going to be very protective of loaning you money.
1: So will individual investors. So will any entity that has money to invest. Because I just had a meeting the other day talking about seed funding startups. Seed funding is the hardest task of getting a project off the ground because you're investing in an idea, an ideology, or a thought process of a team without any proof of success, without any real numbers that are quantifiable. It's it's a huge risk. Now, granted, the reward is pretty high too, but it is a huge risk to to work on startups. But coming back to
0: the whole, can you make money solving the problem? The way I thought about it for the post-money plan is... Somewhere in between the two um, branches that I said. profitable immediately yeah. or long-term. Yeah, exactly. So kind of in between those. Not intending to be profitable right away and not trying to hyper grow to infinity, but rather I want to attract an audience through free content of doing the blog and the podcast and putting this kind of content out there to attract people in and provide valuable free content that people can benefit from. And then eventually I intend to convert a portion of my audience through paid content like online courses, which will have even more value and benefit. I think people will want to sign up for those because they've seen that they can get good free content and they want to know even more about the paid content. Yeah,
1: I think it's a great plan.
0: So then uh, what would be the next step in, in the financial perspective for
1: making your idea work? I think I've already touched upon it, but the last step that we can discuss is after making the assessment of can you solve a problem, can you make money solving the problem, then the last thing is the analysis, right? Do your research and then determine, can you fund the process until it is self-sufficient? Is your runway or is your capital or is your infusion there to where you're not going to run out of money midway your effort? Unfortunately, this is not
0: super straightforward because depending on what kind of idea you have, like if it's a really small, small idea, then it's just like, yeah, okay, maybe I need to borrow a few hundred bucks or a few thousand bucks or whatever. And then I can convert it to profitability really quick. But if you have some big idea that you're trying to do a startup that's going to be funded by sophisticated investors and venture capital firms, you're going to have a big plan that has this long vision of growth. And you may not have that vision of profitability. It might be like, okay, you're you're trying to raise seed funding and you're just planning out your runway until you, you do your Series A round or your Series B round. And the path is so long that you can only see one step ahead of you.
1: Yeah. The bigger investment required, the the more planning and more work you have to put into getting the financial model right. I think VCs look at it as uh, under twenty five thousand and over twenty five thousand. Under twenty five thousand is normally where you need minimal planning. Over twenty five thousand dollars is when you need to kind of start putting together paperwork and some serious serious stuff together because they say under twenty five thousand is more like funding from your friends and family that just believe you and like you. And then uh, over that, it starts becoming, okay, what are you actually making us invest in? Right. right? <laughs> so even, even your family starts asking questions, right? <laughs> like, uh, what exactly are you going to do with this money? <laughs> so I think it's a good idea to do financial planning, regardless of how big your idea is and how much money it requires. Because like I said, the devil's in the details. Maybe you don't need the investment now, but maybe you'll need it sooner than later. And it's all about identifying that point and how close are you or how long before you run out of money so you can plan for that ahead of time. Because you not it sucks to put in all this effort and time and, and your dreams and hopes and, 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 and everything into something because running a business or starting a business is not easy. It requires a, a lot of emotional, physical, mental, financial effort to do so. And you just don't want to run out of finances midway through it. Because then you're left wondering with this really icky feeling, like, if I had the money, would I have succeeded? Yeah. (laughs) There's
0: actually a parable talking about who sets out to build a tower and doesn't first plan out how much they need to build it to complete it. Because it would be pathetic if you didn't even think how much I need to build a building. You start out building it, and you only get halfway done, and you run out of money, and then you never complete it.
1: Yeah, you have a half a tower. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. So, I mean, in this case, that tower gets to be torn down and demolished if it doesn't finish. So, if in the world of business, if you don't follow through or if you run out of money, your business literally dies. It's not on a lifeline. It's not worth anything anymore because it's just you didn't plan well enough. That's where vultures come around and try to buy your business for 120th of what it's potentially <laughs> worth and you feel really, really icky because you have to sell because you don't have any money to actually continue doing it.
0: Yeah, that's where the whole fire sale comes from.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Again, going back to the way I've done it for the post-money plan, when I first started out, I was thinking the hyper-growth, venture capital funding route, and I spent time thinking about that. But I eventually came to the realization that a lot of what I'm trying to do is very service-oriented rather than product-oriented. That being the case, is a lot less scalable than a product-oriented business. Being less scalable is less prone to hypergrowth growth and funding from VCs. So the route that I've gone since then is low investment, keeping expenses at an absolute minimum, and trying to bootstrap, which is just startup lingo for self-funding. I had saved up a bunch of money in preparation for this venture a year, two years ahead of time to help enable an opportunity like this. Instead of putting money into retirement funds like 401ks and IRAs, I was just hoarding it so that I could save up for a time like this. I've been going the bootstrapping route and I'm shooting for self-sufficiency early and just go cash flow positive early rather than hyper growth.
1: Dreams are what entrepreneurs are made of, man, and uh, you know they do require hardship, and they do require investment, and they do require sacrifice. So you're on the right path. We classify businesses in two different models these days, especially in the tech sector. One is an information-based business where you're selling information, and the other is a product-based business. And I think that your information-based business and what you're doing right now is establishing your credibility to where you create great content, and then eventually people are going to want to recognize you for the fact that you do create great content and then eventually take advantage of some of your premium offerings. Hopefully,
0: that's the idea.
1: (laughs) We're here to help you. (laughs) We're we're behind you. How about any personal anecdotes from your process over time? Yeah, so I've played around uh, and and dabbled in both sides. I've owned, uh, I think I'm on my seventh business venture now, and a couple of them were retail stores. A couple of them were small tech concepts. We're trying to grow them. And then I've also gone down the swing for the fences and go for the full planning. I'm currently working on a project where I'm in the full planning uh, phase, doing the whole wholebizplan.com worksheet and then presenting it to angels. And we're raising a seed round of 100000 And then we're going to go after a Series A for north of $2 million. So okay. uh, I've dabbled in both puddles.
0: So from a financial perspective... All those previous ventures, what are the
1: lessons learned that you would say are really, really you wish you knew before? Uh, Yeah. So I was definitely the person that put $30,000 of my hard-earned saved money into uh, brick-and-mortar businesses, and it was basically write checks till the money ran out without the planning side of it at all. I was young. I think I was 23 at the time, and that was my first business venture. Bought a cell phone store, no money management skills in any capacity because Again, college didn't teach me anything. I wish that I had come across people that would have guided me towards money management skills. My money management skills aren't still top-notch, but they're a lot better than they used to be. Through trial and error. Uh, Through trial and error. And then, of course, you know, one thing I can tell you, man, one thing that helps a lot is at some point you realize that you can't do everything on your own. Yeah. You know, you wear that Superman cape early because, I mean, let's face it, up until college is over, you never really needed anyone else. I mean, you make enough money to, to pay for your apartment and your your car and, and your basic needs, and you're pretty happy with that. Career planning and life planning and marriage planning and kids planning and all that stuff is not always glooming over your head. As you get older, as your responsibilities grow, you have a tendency to realize that you need First, learn your strengths. What are your strengths? What are you good at? And then what are you not good at? And what you should hire people for and bring other help around you for and what you should do yourself. So uh, what has helped me is not only trial and error, but is realizing what my strengths are. And then surrounding my weaknesses with people around me, that their strengths happen to be my weaknesses. That has helped me tremendously. And then uh, another thing that has helped a lot is uh, mentorship, talking and being around people that are successful or have been successful, that are willing and and eager to share their knowledge with you is a great thing.
0: That's a huge one, right? Yeah.
1: Because so many people have been through
0: hardships. If you just listen to what other people have done, they've already done all the hard work before or made the mistakes and you can just learn from them and know like, Make sure you don't blow all your money like right after you get a funding round (laughs) or
1: don't go crazy
0: hiring and then
1: commit yourself to salaries that are just guaranteed to go out the door right away. The biggest problem with me as well was that at some point I didn't really know where to find mentors, but I realized that in today's day and age where we live in the information age, all it requires is just looking. The researchers are actually out there to support small business entrepreneurs Houston has a lot of networks designed to help small businesses grow and start. It's just a matter of you using Google a little bit and talking to some friends and going to your university channels to say, hey, what kind of support is there for entrepreneurs or potential entrepreneurs? Networking is huge. And like you
0: say, not just in business in general, but then especially in financing the whole idea behind financing is that you don't have all the money yourself and -hmm. and you need funding from other outside sources. And so having relationships and people that can mentor you and you network with that they can help you and support you. If you're sharing with them and then they buy into you or your ideas and they like what you're about, then they might be interested in funding you too.
1: Yeah. I can also share endless stories with you around entrepreneurs that had their own money, that never needed outside money, but when they realized that if they increased their buying power or spending power, they can exponentially increase their business, and when they infused capital into their business, they grew a lot faster than they could have on their own. So sometimes the money comes with more than just the money, right? It comes with relationships and, and other people and their networks and, and their edification, which also can launch an, an, your business to another level. The caveat to that, though, is that the more outside
0: funding you take on, the more strings that come attached and control that you might
1: end up having to give up. So there's a bit of a catch to that. Oh, there is. But that's why you should educate yourself further with what are the right types of money and what are the wrong types of money. There's good money and there's bad money. It's like saying, are you borrowing at 20%? are you borrowing at 2%, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, are you borrowing from a loan shark or are you borrowing from a you know, from a good source? So it just depends, right? There's a lot of lessons to be learned. And that's one thing that I, I try to strive for, learn something new every day.
0: One takeaway, one major takeaway, what
1: should people know about funding? Again, plan it out. Plan out whatever it is that you're going to do. I know it, it's not the most sexiest thing in the world, but it is probably the most important thing that you will do in order to ensure that your business can potentially succeed or not. All
0: right. Thanks again for coming on the show, Eddie.
1: Thank you very much. Yeah, man. Pleasure all the time and look forward to the next time.
0: All right. All right. That'll wrap things up for this episode. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget you can find me at postmoneyplan.com or search The Postmoney Plan in the iTunes podcast app or in Google Play. Catch us next time on another episode of the Post Money Plan podcast.